people who wear footy socks need to get over themselves and go straight to jail. Don't pass go. <laughs> That's so whack. It's serious. Don't nobody want to see your skinny, ashy ass ankles. I'm sorry, Snoop. Bad language. Before they get in your Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. You thought I was to die for. Listen, I caught a blessing this Sunday, so the spirit is in my heart, baby. This week, we have Bomani Jones, host of Game Theory, comes on Sunday nights at HBO, but they just had their season finale with Don Staley. Lit show. Check it out. We also have Andy Sire coming on. He's a trainer that got moments equal momentum tattooed on his leg so i know it's real you're gonna hear why he did that we're also gonna have a little segment where we ask what hill would you die on i just want to know we're gonna ask not only the us on moco but we're gonna ask the group as well and then cole is gonna make it make sense let's get into it Okay, so I was reading a tweet, no shocker alert, but on 4-15-2022, Nicole Fisher wrote, this spring weekend is unique because it's the overlap of Pesach, Easter, Ramadan, and Vaisakhi, which for the first time in 30 plus years, Muslims, Jews, Christians, Buddhists, Hindu are all celebrating their spring holidays at the same time. She also wrote, may we all unite in joy and peace. And so that made me think of something, which, first of all, that's crazy that for the first time in 30 years, we're all celebrating a holiday that is a religious holiday at the same time. It was a beautiful moment. You know, we all saw how Kyrie talked about in his press conference that he's not eating. He's fasting for Ramadan. I can't imagine that because as a player, I always I'm very routine and I make sure that I've eaten the right stuff at the same time, at the same place you know i'm very superstitious when it comes to those things for so for Kyrie not to be eating because it's ramadan you know that screams volumes to you know his sacrifice but it also made me think about religious holidays in particular easter sunday when it comes to church so easter sunday is that sunday that you can just expect to see a little bit of everybody and look i'm adding myself into the equation because i attended church on Easter Sunday. Do I attend church every Sunday? No, I don't. Do I want to attend church more? I definitely need to, and I definitely need to make it a point of emphasis. But those Sundays are very interesting because one, you're going to see a wide range of outfits. You know, Sunday's best is one thing, but if you're at, let's say a Baptist church, you might see some hats. No, if you've never been there, it is not the Kentucky Derby, but you might see some hats that might remind you of the Kentucky Derby. And then you also might see those cousins and those friends and those uncles that you haven't seen in years. So I just want to know, why is it that we all decide to get our blessing on just just one week out the year? Like, why do we not? What is it about Easter that's like, all right, let me go catch this blessing for the full year and then I'm done with it. Like I said, I'm counting myself in the equation. I attended church this past Sunday and you couldn't tell me nothing. I caught a real blessing. I mean, I caught a you thought I was worth saving. I caught a blessing, baby. But I don't know why we all choose just one Sunday out the year. You know what? It might be, too, because on Christmas, sometimes we all feel like we need to go catch a blessing, too. But I don't know why. 
why we decide to go to church one week out the year. But to Nicole Fisher's point, may we all unite in joy and peace and celebrate. And you heathens, may y'all go to church a couple more weeks out the year. is a guy that when he feels strongly about something he will stand by it no matter what that thing is it could be ramadan and he's not going to eat because a lot of people are fasting during ramadan and while your pastor may say okay if there's unusual circumstances it's okay to drink or it's okay to eat Kyrie is not going to do it because Kyrie is going to stand 10 toes down on anything that he believes we already know that because half of the season he was a part-time player so we know that Kyrie is a guy that He's going to stand 10 toes down. So Kyrie, you know, the term, I don't know if you people have heard the term, what hill would you die on? Meaning like, what is a topic that no matter what, you're going to ride with that topic till the end. That's what they mean by what hill would you die on? So we know that Kyrie's a guy that he will die. Anything that he believes in, he will die on that hill for that thing, whether the whole world is telling him not to do it. So I thought that's interesting. Everybody probably has certain things that they feel like, yeah, I feel very strongly about that. So I thought I wanted to ask the crew and we ain't just asking the MoCo crew this time of, you know, Cole, Serena and Snook. We asking the fellas, too, because they might be dying on different hills than us. So we got Juju, Roy and VP in the building, Paul Garino. So we're going to ask everybody because I want to hear what are you so passionate about or what do you feel so strongly about that? That's the hill you would die on. And I'll actually get the party started I know it's a very unpopular opinion because people like to socialize, but the hill that I would die on is that I think sporting events are better at your house. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's game seven, it's sold out and it's so exciting and the energy is electric. I'm probably going to have a better time at home. Why? Because I can still bring my friends to the house. I can have all my snacks there. When I have to go to the bathroom, it's not a 40 minute thing to wait in line. And then the person there in the bathroom is trying to make me pay for getting a tissue. I'm just saying that there's a lot of things about watching the game at home. We have two TVs side by side at home, so I can actually watch the replay if I miss something, watch two games at the same time. This is my heel. I know that people like sporting events and the energy there and to watch it live and be in the room where it happens. I think that it's better at the cribbo. That's my heel. So I'm opening it up. I want to hear what people's heels are on. What heel are you going to die on? I know I'm just interested to hear because this is a this is a group right here. So I'm interested to hear y'all. What what heel y'all dying on? Okay. Well, I guess I'll go next. I saw Nikki tooting her mouth up to start, so you can <laughs> just just wait just one second. The heel that I would would die on would be the heel for freedom because right now, uh, having lived the life that I've lived and where I started from, it still seems like that is a hill that still needs a lot of attention and a lot of people to make sacrifices to make sure that. Oh, no, we got to run it back for you, Snook, though, because I don't know if you understand the assignment. So, I, well, I guess people are opposed to freedom. Yeah. I was going to say, who's opposed <laughs> yeah. to freedom? And then I had yeah, to catch myself. Well, people. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Entire state of Florida is opposed to. <laughs> I might not say it out loud, but all you have to do, and you know, I'm a behavioralist, so I'm not listening to what's coming out your mouth. I'm listening okay. to what you're doing, and what is going on is saying to me that we need to be out there for freedom. I'm just Ooh, saying. Oh, I like okay. that. So Snook is going to die on the Freedom Hill. All right, you know what I'm saying? Y'all see where now I get it from? Now, how am I going to come with my argument? Look, I want to hear it because this is look, like, what can you Hill. say after? 
after that. Yeah, I didn't think we was going to the freedom fighters, but Ooh. let's hear what you got to say, Cole. What you dying on? I'm about to tear up the whole entire world <laughs> when I say that Prince is the greatest artist and performer Ooh. of all time. Yeah. I will die on that hill. So all you Michael Jackson fans, y'all can come for me, but I'm still going to be on that hill. <laughs> dying on that I think hill. a lot of people would agree with you though and so is there a reason why why because Prince and Michael always fought for who was the greatest who was the greatest clearly Prince was the greatest and people are like <laughs> just avid like Prince and avid <laughs> like Michael Jackson so the hill I'm gonna die on is that Prince is the greatest performer and artist of all time. Wow. We just Bam. saw the Michael Jackson experience in New York, the Broadway play, and there's literally a line in there where he was like, no, I have to do this because if I don't do it, God will give this idea to Prince. And that was so <laughs> funny. Because <laughs> they just played up at that whole competition that they had, but that's hilarious. I think a lot of people would agree with you. That's the hill I'm dying wow. on. So y'all could be mad. That's crazy. I saw a tweet that said, I know that this is going to sound crazy, but but Prince is the greatest of all time, including Michael. And LeBron James is the greatest of all time, including Michael. I saw a tweet that said that. So it's like kind of wild. <laughs> oh, but all right. Listen, everybody got an opinion. That's what I'm trying to say. That's cold. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> oh, man. I, I know I'm, I'm probably going to start a little debate with people listening because I always start a debate with this with my family. But filters, filters on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat got to go. I'm so <laughs> oh. sorry. I don't like filters. I always tell my sister, she always gets mad at me. I'll be like, don't use that filter. You look so much prettier without it. I know I sound like that boring big sister, but that's just <laughs> that's just my stance. I don't like filters. And I made the mistake of not having any pictures of myself for my birthday without filters. Because uh -oh. my, my cousin Leslie, she took pictures of me with a filter on. So those are the only ones that I had to post. So I am guilty of posting a picture with a filter on my Instagram. I'm so sorry about that. But I don't and like Every influencer is coming for I you. Know, They're all coming for you. I'm scared. They're coming no, for her you. Family Every influencer gonna be mad at me. Stop using filters. Her family got mad in the group chat. Like, uh, uh, girl, we like our filters. I know. Like, Move they along. got offended. They were like, like, well, we like the way we look with filters. I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> I mean, you Kimberly came to us yesterday and was like, okay, so guess what? I did a whole photo shoot, no filters. It was like, oh, yeah. she was like telling us like she did something. I was like, okay, she Kimberly. Did, she did something. She did that. She did and she that. looked beautiful. Well, what did Jordy say about it? Oh, please, oh, Jordy. Lord. He probably Jordy got uses filters all himself. the filters. He knows how to use them more than Kimberly. He be using the yeah. LA filter on, on Snapchat. He knows how to use Kids oh, just have goodness. another knowledge these days. So I want to hear from the fellas. All right, now, what heels are y'all going to die? And I'm really curious of what do y'all even care about enough to die on that hill? All right. So um, <laughs> whenever I go into a fast food joint, whenever I see one of the ladies behind the counter with track nails or whatever nail art where her nails are out, <laughs> what? out like three inches past her finger. Wait, why do you call them track nails, Roy? Florence Griffith Joyner. Uh, I believe you <laughs> oh, remember wow. her. Oh, wow. Yes. Flojo. He came for Flo Flojo. Flo he came I don't know how to feel about this but keep going think, yeah okay. you know her she designed the Pacers uniforms in the 90s yeah you know her that's why I call them track nails because all the track stars you know they have them you know probably except and what's for Nicole. your problem with these nails they're unsanitary they're unhygienic I, like how do you take care of yourself <laughs> like I can't trust that and you're handling my food no oh, man. you can't even put those in gloves can you Roy no you can't no you gotta get one of those extra <laughs> gloves there's like, no those gloves all the way out to here so, forget, so like, you don't service. want the women with with the nails look my again shouts to k cruz because my sister-in-law 
I tell her all the time when she gets her nails done, I say, okay, Babs, you better get your nails done. <laughs> and, she, and she likes it so, too. She be holding it up and like, she be yeah. like, yes, uh-huh, get into it. So she be getting the loudest colors the time. you can. <laughs> they was yellow the other day. So, Blue. Roy, you don't like that because they might have them nails for their normal life. You don't like that if they got a job that is affecting their work life. Yeah, I don't like it in general, just because now now you're handling my food with these nails. Yeah. The health department should come through. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the truth? They, they they test the temperature of the water, and you know when have you wiped this off, and when have you wiped that off? Well, when have you disinfected them nails? Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! I cannot. Are you? You know what? That is now. I'm, I did not expect that. All right, I'm scared now. What else y'all got, guys? What y'all got? I'm gonna be looking out for that because that is pretty gross. Oh God. Look what you started, Roy. Roy, if you're seeing that, then it has to be the cashier person. Then, like it has, like they're not handling the food technically. I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm not taking any chances, there, Paul. <laughs> no, it sounds good. They might. They might switch. They um, might, they might switch jobs. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll go next because mine's food related too. I had a, a fun one and a serious one, but I'll go with the fun <laughs> one. So mine is kind of regional. So I'm from Connecticut. So I will die that Connecticut pizza is better than New York pizza. I knew it. Oh, and you got oh, yes, I knew you were going to go pizza. This I guy knew it. Pizza I knew it. I knew it. Um, well, Shout you are Italian, so you might be onto something. You have like a different yeah, palate or something. I don't know. But I'm from New York and I don't know about that. You're not from New York, though. Yes, I am. You better stay Here he goes with this. <laughs> and shouts to the parties because PG Sports did a, a whole collab, NFT collab with the party. So that's how much he loves pizza. They that. are good. He though. did a whole NFT collab with a pizza company. I want to put this into perspective that he really will die on that hill. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> no, and and some Australian people came at me and they tried to tell me they had good pizza. And I was like, that's not even Australia. That's wow, not even that's a thing. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, 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 Snook. What did you say? I've heard that Chicago pizza was the best. Mm. Oh, okay. We should yeah, enter the chat for Chicago. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> and we're going to do yeah. a poll. I've heard that too. <laughs> what makes Connecticut pizza better than anybody else? Like, if you're going to die on the hill, you got to be able like, to explain why that is the case. One myth, but it's not even a myth, is true. Uh, there's something about water up here in the northeast mm. okay and when i actually went to zoo parties they talked about going to texas one time they brought down two big t- trucks of water to just to to make, just make the pizza wow so it's, so in, it's the in the ingredients it's in the ingredients yeah. that's a great answer okay okay i did hear yep. that one time actually because you know i'm i am from new york paul despite what you say i did hear <laughs> that that the, the northeast does have good water <laughs> crazy all right juju let me hear what is the hill that juju hey by the way before juju talks why were there people tweeting me on the actual internet saying that they wanted to have a seat beside juju at the dream game oh Oh. okay juju why was humans tweeting me that they want to have a chance to sit beside you juju at the dream games this season i'm just like Make it oh make boy. sense. You should mark the price up. <laughs> oh, boy. That's right. Those people are uncultured and do not know their history. That's why. <laughs> because if you rather sit by me than the owner and the champion, then you already Listen, they, I'm going to tell you right now, it was a woman and she ain't worried about no championships and no, no ownership. She ain't worried about none of that. She, she wants them locks. About- she want to sit beside <laughs> that, that outfit, that two-piece set you got From on top right there. To bottom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
send me her info. <laughs> <laughs> I got a thousand hills that I would die on. Like I would die on twenty hills right now. One of them being since Roy said the fast food cashier drive through lady purchase a man. Do not put my receipt on top of my fries. I want new fries now. Oh, you just touch my no. receipt and whatever receipt come from, don't put it in the bag with my fries. I got to put them fries in my mouth. <laughs> Another one. Uh, I feel that. If you, if you take an escalator up or down and you just stand on the escalator without walking, you are a lazy son of a gun. <laughs> so he got a few. He got a couple. If you got shorts on and you got on some sneakers, and your socks don't come up to at least here. You wear footy socks. People who wear footy socks need to get over themselves and go straight to jail. Don't pass go. Wow. That's so wack. It's serious. Don't nobody want to see your skinny ass your ass ankles. I'm sorry, Snook. Bad language. But yeah, that's one of many here. I down every hill, I believe. I mean, are there more? I'm so intrigued by this because I could oh see how the receipt could have touched hands and then touched your. Fr- I mean, I could see it. Definitely. Are there any more? This is different. Dark skin Vivian should have stayed forever. Oh, light yes. skin Vivian, salute to you, light skin Vivian. But you were not Zaza. <laughs> Dark skin Vivian is Zaza. I did like the. I like the original. Yeah, Vivian I think. I think well. a lot of people could agree. I, I, I think that, that was a consensus with most people who watch the show mm-hmm. regularly. All right. Kevin Durant was right for going to the Warriors. Ooh. He could have went anywhere. He, if you tell me, hey, Drew, if you haven't won a championship, you know what I mean? We always talking about you in the media whatsoever. You can go anywhere in the NBA. And Steph Curry invite me to the, what was the Hamptons or whatever they had going on? <laughs> why would I go anywhere else? I don't care what people think. Like, bruh, why would I go to a loser franchise if I could just go with the winners? And they invited me with open arms. Kevin Durant was right for getting those championships. He was never wrong. And for that, he has my undying affection. Back to you, Renee. Wow. <laughs> he said what he said. Wow. Those are a lot of it. heels. And you know what? I, I, I can see the logic. I like that you explained the heels. I can see the logic. Anybody else? Paul had a serious one. I'm I'm actually intrigued now about things that people are passionate about. This is actually <laughs> Paul, what was your serious one? No, you want the serious one? Uh when people are afraid to say no and be around the bush. Oh, Ooh. are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> Stop being passive-aggressive, Renee. Renee is not afraid to say no. Let's get that straight. I had a real problem with saying no in the beginning. You know, VP. I was, like, doing 12 interviews a day just because I didn't want to tell people no. No, 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 no. I mean, in terms of uh, they rather not answer you than say no. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, no. Like an avoider. Oh, well, I have one. And I stand by the fact that you can literally cuss someone out without using a cuss word if you know how to do it properly. Ooh. Yes. yes. You guys all know how to do that well. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I believe it. Can you give me an example? Well, I mean, most of the conversations where people no longer speak to me have been those type of conversations <laughs> where I've never really said a cuss word, but I've really cut them in half to the point where they're like, I never want to engage with this woman ever again. Got them all the way together, mm. Cole. That's fine with me. So, But I think that you can literally intelligently cuss someone out without using a cuss word. It's just you not have to know how to use what words you put together, what tone you put with it. Emphatics. You have to be very... There you go. And and the tone that you should underline say is that at the end of the conversation, that person no longer wants to engage in another conversation with you ever again. That part. Mm. Get them all the way. (laughs) Bury me on this hill as well. LeBron should have came on home about four or five years ago 
He got a hairline tattoo. I don't know back of his head. I don't know what's going on. Jojo! If my boy come home, if he come home, it'll be normalized. Normalized coming home, LeBron. Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso exactly. actually, you know, leaned into it, but LeBron still got something going on there. He still got no, some hair. No, I rebuke that. I rebuke that. <laughs> in, the, in the name of the Lord, the Savior Jesus Christ. LeBron do not got enough going on anymore to hold on to that faith. He's a movie star. He's a billionaire. Come on, baby. Come a on. Star. Wait, wait. I got. I think I got one more. I, I, I think that some people might actually disagree, but I think the Kardashians are smart businesswomen, and oh I will say I know that you bring that to the us. end. I brought that because everybody always fights with me when I say I, th- I think the Kardashians are actually smart in the way that and be like, oh, they only got famous Chris. off of this, off Chris. of that. Everybody has their well, theory. Chris. Jenner is a Kardashian. Well, she was a Kardashian no, maker. Not. I mean, everybody no, got not. their theory on why they got famous. I think it's because no, they're all I, smart. You don't want to hear mine. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No. No, we don't. All right, listen, no. I got another one. There. <laughs> you just said, yeah. There's a bunch of people that go viral, but do they make it right? Work? Do they, they make monetize it a whole off of it the way the Kardashians are an upscale brand now? Like that, I mean, to your point, Sam, Snook is going to say she knows how they started and she knows a lot of people that started that way. But did those people that you know, Snook, create a billion dollar business that Louis Vuitton wants to have them wearing their clothes on the red carpets and that every luxury designer wants to get those humans in their clothes? And are they sitting on an empire of Probably, money? I mean, you know, you know, the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> Snuck, you don't know no billionaires. <laughs> she said the underworld. Oh, Lord. Okay. I got one more that I think this is like, so I'm like, people don't really know. I like being in the house. And so the hill that I would die on is that you can be very social on social media. Like, I feel like oh, people feel no. like they know me. Like, I feel like, like, I'm not even kidding. Like the people I tweet with, when situations happen in my life or if I'm on something, they'll literally remind me of something that I was tweeting about with them before. I feel very social and connected to the people that I meet on social media, even though people have a feeling that social media isn't like really connecting. I really be connecting the folks on social media. So it bothers me. It just bothers <laughs> me. I just it, it just I can't I have tried. I cannot do it. I actually got a bunch of videos from a bunch of cat people because I made one reference <laughs> and now everybody thinks that I want to see cats on my social media I open up and people are sending me cat videos and I'm like they're trying to connect with I you one rhythm I, this I is how you do it okay moon. look let me tell you this is perfect all right so you need to use that to be like hey guys I love that y'all are sending me mad cats I really don't even fool with cats like that but love that y'all are doing it because then they're going to know that oh she actually talked about cats that's how we knew her in the beginning but she don't even really fool with cats they remember like folks be remembering stuff i said a month ago they'll remember yeah, they I can't remember what I said yesterday. And these people come back and throw my own words at me. Oh, month. now I'll they will like, do that. I didn't say that. They will do and that. I did, oh, I did say that. No, I don't like that. No, no, I no, love no, social no. media. I will say there's something to what Renee is saying, because I do notice that a lot of introverted people are so extroverted and talkative online. And then a lot of real life extroverts like myself, we're not very social online. So I think that <laughs> it, it works like opposite. People, people always <laughs> assume I'm the person from online. And then they meet me in real oh, life. Oh, and then you're like life. introverted in real life. Nah, I'll slap you in real life. <laughs> Sorry, Snook. The underwear. I'm the same but, uh, way. I'm the same yeah. way. Also, I'm so let's slap you in real life. Easy boots, I whack. Mm. 
Y'all are hilarious. Listen, don't get on Juju's heel because he might slap you off of there. But <laughs> Nor it was interesting don't to make hear. that announcement. <laughs> no, you can't make, make the announcement for me. Okay, don't get on Roy's heel because he will slap <laughs> you and your mama off that heel. So don't get on Roy's heel. All right, I'm just saying. But I like to hear it. I'm. A, I want to hear what people's other what other people's stuff they would die on. So y'all talk to us because this is interesting. Next, this guy just completed the first season of his hit show on HBO, Game Theory. Listen, we're talking to my guy, Bo Monty Jones, about a little bit of everything, including people comparing his skits to The Chappelle Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bomani, let me just say, first, we worked together at Bob Costas. I already saw, everybody probably knows you from your ESPN days and all those different things. But I really saw a brilliant mind in how you break down things. And now you have a new show, Game Theory, that's on HBO. And I'm just curious, because I, I have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of ideas. How long have you had the idea of doing a show like Game Theory. Yeah, I would say this. I had the dream of doing a show like this for, I guess, probably about 15 years. When Joe Buck had Joe Buck Live on HBO, when I saw what they were trying to do with that, I was like, yeah, that's the kind of thing I think I could probably one day pull off. Although I probably thought I could pull it off then and I was probably wrong. But like that was, you know, that was my thought when I saw that. But the actual idea for what this show is, what's interesting is that they had a pilot concept already done and sold with another person attached to it. And then that person dropped off. And then they brought me on to it. So it wasn't like I wow. sat at the house cooking this up and then presented it to HBO and they were with it. Some people had to deal with HBO and then those people came to me and said, hey, let's do this. So by the time I had gotten on the project for the pilot, much of it was done. Like it wasn't time for a creative overhaul. It had to get finished and a lot of the groundwork was already in place. Honestly, for somebody who was very dissimilar to me, like really? the, the kind of thing you do for that person wouldn't necessarily be the kind of person you do for me. And if I'm being honest. I didn't know very much about making this kind of television. So I wasn't confident enough to really get in here and start throwing my weight around because they're like, we have to do what you want. I'm like, dude, I hadn't been thinking about this till whenever. I don't have things that I want. But we did the pilot and we got picked up. We had a couple of personnel changes after that kind of affected this, but I would say probably around late October or in November, it was in November, 
I really got to a place like with my confidence and everything else to be like, okay, I know how it is that I want to make this show look. Like, I don't know if y'all watched The Simpsons, but there's an episode where Bart went to France as an exchange student and he's just lost and everything is going terrible. And then one day, all of a sudden, he starts speaking French, right? Like, he's all wrong. <laughs> and that was, was kind of what happened here. It was just like, okay, we need to lock down what the concept of the show is going to be. And I came in and said, boom, we should start here. We should go here. We should finish it up here. And then probably in about a week and a half or so, I came back. I knew we were going to have six episodes. And so I came back with ideas for all six episodes for the longer essays that we do. And then came behind that not too long after that. I don't remember the time frame, really. But then wrote outlines for all of those topics because I wanted us to be set up so that when the writers actually got on the payroll, it was as easy as possible for them to hit the ground running. Like anything that we could do, we would have ready for them. So like the idea for the whole show, I came in late on. I really had a moment or streak where a lot of what has been conceived of for this show just came in like a brainstorm in about a week or so. And then after the whole team gets in, now we can start bringing these things to life. And now people can start throwing out things, you know, that obviously I hadn't thought of and we can start putting it together. Mm -hmm. And by episode one, I felt like we already had a good show. Like your first show was always going to be your worst show, but I felt like we we had a good show. We weren't coming out of that looking at what the things were to fix. We came out of it looking at the things that we could make better. And that's an important distinction. I love what you said about, you know, just having that confidence change and and also about um, what do you want? You know, like that's the question that a lot of people don't really know. You know, like people say, okay, so what do you want? You steer the ship, you know, how is it going to go? But like once you figured out what you wanted, you said like in that whole week, then everything changed. That's amazing. Like, so you, you said that you figured out what you wanted just by kind of like living life watching the simpsons and that's how you kind of figured it out (laughs) yeah no but what happened on this show was i like that though yeah but but a big thing i think that happened was like we knew we wanted to do longer essays right like not Mm -hmm. quite like the john oliver essays because john oliver essays are more expository they're explaining something to you these essays start with my opinion and we're going to build out you know with research and everything but there's a clear point of view that's coming and I've also wanted to be very clear that I don't ever want the show to appear to be dogmatic in the way that you see me and you know exactly what I'm going to say. Right. Mm, so when we were, yeah. when we decided we wanted to do something on the masters, my number one thing for people was, and it's not going to be about race. Like we're not going <laughs> to ignore it, but people right. are going to automatically assume that I'm just going to come out here and talk about how racist the masters yep. is. No, I'm going to talk about how dope the masters is right work all the other stuff in there but i don't ever want people to like come to the stuff and be like oh i know exactly what it is that he's gonna say you don't want to be predictable no you can't be and to that point like i've been you know i'm in the twitter streets i saw people compare some of your skits to dave Chappelle's skits in a sense of how clever they're put together even let's say the football one where how players decide their teams now mm-hmm. we that is it's so funny it's because hilarious. the way you twisted it and put a twist on it but we all know what you're talking about so talk about like it's bringing that humor. skit aspect yeah the smart humor and bringing those skits and the different things it's a, the varieties to life that's what I thought was the dopest thing because I don't see very many shows that I'm like yeah I like that style of show you know most shows are debate who's the greatest talk about this this show is different so can you just talk about the different dynamics that it has well that's where having an incredible team comes into play we have so many people that work on this show that I'm honestly looking at like 
why are you doing this job? Like, I feel like so many people are <laughs> like, with their right? level of talent and qualifications, it's like, yeah, they, they feel overqualified. Like, I almost don't want them to hear it because then they're going to leave, right? But <laughs> our showrunner, for example, he uh, he used to run the field department at The Daily Show, and he worked as a producer oh, on nice. the last Borat movie. So, like, going oh, out wow. in the field and shooting something like that, like, that's what he knows. Our, mm. You know, one of our field producers, he worked on The Daily Show for a long time, the guy who did the museum for Duke. So the way it came about with the museum for Duke was after I had called, you know, in that week where I was coming up with essay ideas, I called James Davis, one of our executive producers, and I say, look, I want to do something on Coach K. And I've been really just trying to think about why exactly it is that black people have this polarized relationship with Duke basketball. And it dawned on me, damn, they were beating all the teams we loved, right? And I ran through <laughs> that. Me and about like, it really, Tell like, me about like, it. Like it was the two, it was the two and two. And then after I said that, James says, "What if we did a museum, a Black History Museum exhibit about Coach K terrorizing Black of America?" And so I'm like, "Whoa, what a great idea!" But what I don't know is. We got this great idea. Then what happens? So we take the idea and we bring it to the showrunner. And his thing is, oh, yeah, we can put that together. And so uh, the whole department of people starts thinking about how to put it together. So then we got on some calls. We had uh, Bashir Saludin, I believe that's how you say it, and Diallo Riddle, the guys that do Sherman Showcase and Southside. They worked as consultant producers on this. And we had a couple of weeks of Zooms where we talked to them about all kinds of stuff. And we started with them with like what would be in the Duke Museum. And so we started just bouncing different ideas and then gave it to the writers. Right, right. Like one of the things. And then Jalen, at the end, I was just like, hey, well, they were like, well, you think we could get Jalen Rose to do it? And I don't like to ask people for favors on stuff, but I was like, I'll ask Jalen. He's such a good dude. And he was just like, absolutely. So he showed up like nothing he said was scripted. Nothing the people in the museum said was scripted. No, none of that was scripted. The only thing that was close to scripted is the tour guide was our guy. We went to the Schaumburg Center in Harlem and we rented a room. And we went and we had all the pictures printed up and all the different things. But it was a collaborative effort of legitimately That's dozens hilarious. of people. And the person that probably had the least to do with it was me. Like, I can't, like <laughs> James came, came, came in idea. with the idea. I started with the essay. But, you know, when I was on calls and I was like, no, don't put this in there. Yes, put this in there. Nah, be careful about that. You know, like that, you know, those sorts of things. But overall, it was just a squad of people that we have. And so I'm in a place now where I can walk in a room and be like, hey, what about dot, 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 and they can really and legitimately make this happen. Like, we did something... See, I love that. That's that's goals. Yeah, yeah we had Meta World Peace do a faux commercial for treasury bonds. Like, goals. as a Like, as a as an antithesis to all the crypto commercials, right? Uh, it was so good! And it came up in, like, two days. Like, we had, oh some, we had something else that we were betting on that didn't come through, and then in two days, somebody wrote the script, we call Meta's people. I think he's in like Arizona or somewhere at the Four Seasons. We get it set up. He comes in. He shoots it. He was really into doing it. But that came together in like two days. He That's killed amazing. it though. Like That's actually, like like I was really legitimately with the milk. She came up with the milk. He's like, no, I yes. get my two percent <laughs> and my like it was just yes. like really well done. How do you feel about like you know you can have a brainchild? I tell my team this all the time. I'll be like, look, I love to just create ideas, and I want you guys to figure out how to bring them to life. I say that to them all right. the time, but. Did you expect people to be comparing you to Chappelle show skits? Like, did you expect it to really, you said you knew you had a good show in the first episode. Did you expect it to be this good? So the Duke thing, 
I knew was going to be good. Like the museum, <laughs> I, I, I will not say that I knew when we came up with it that people would like make Chappelle references. But see, the thing about the museum is I wasn't really there when they shot. Like I came through for about an hour, but I, I think it's important that people don't think I'm looking over their shoulders while they're working. Yes. So yeah, I, I dropped in for a second. I watched this. I want to say thank you to Jalen. And then I left. And so when the cuts come in, it's new to me like it is to you when you watch it on television. And that was the first time that I fully recognized like, oh, this show can be really good. Like when they were <laughs> shooting it, I was talking to one of our writers, my man Rod, and Rod has never worked in TV before or any of that stuff. Like, you know, this is his first thing that he's done. And it's always so cool to be around him because we're at the museum and I'm looking at him and he helped. He was one of the two point people on putting the museum thing together. And I'm just watching him just look at it like, yo, I can't believe we getting paid for this. Like we sat there and just talked, <laughs> we stood there and just talked about it. Like, I yeah. can't believe they paying us for this. And so, Definitely. you know, as I'm looking at him and we're doing this and we're just like, yo, we have an actual show. Like he and I are both in the same place where we haven't done anything like this. So we don't know what's possible, right? Like doing something like this is almost like when you stop and think about this, some of your favorite albums really just started as somebody in their bedroom just playing around with right. some songs. Right. Right? Exactly. And then they just, but then they put a cover on it and they put it in stores and now mm -hmm. it's a classic. But in the end, it's still somebody just messing around and playing music. Exactly. Some of it's parts. Right, right, right. It's just your imagination. And so that's what this is. Except we got a lot more resources and we just have really good people that are around it. So yeah, it's wild for me to do that. And now I'm at that point where I'm more comfortable with the team where I can give them less of the idea and just trust them to come up to with something it. that will reflect the overall view of the show. Because when you don't have a show, you can't tell people what a show is. Like even the people working on it, now they, they had to make the show to know what the show is. And so now once they know what it is, then they can come up with stuff themselves way more easily. And I don't have to just sit around racking my brain for what the thing will yeah, be. Yeah, right. And so when I think about... You started out with six episodes. Is that exciting? Six episodes. Are you greenlit for a second season? If not, who do we need to riot to? Like, let me know. <laughs> who do we what, need to talk yeah, to? Yeah, <laughs> let me know what needs to happen because six was great and it, the timing was great. You went to March Madness. You went to the Masters. It was all timely. So is it like six episodes at this point every year or is there an expansion? Well, right now, I know about six episodes. Okay. Um, and the thing for me really since the beginning of it because between the pilot and the actual series been working on this now for about a year pretty straight through and I don't know if it's just kind of like a where I am in life sort of thing or whatever but I've been really good on this about simply being present in the opportunity to do That's the six episodes like yeah. for me this is something that I always wanted to do and always thought that I could do. And I think that it can be really easy to look at getting the show in the first place and then immediately get to, well, now we have to stay on forever. Like, to me, there's a real accomplishment in the fact that the show got greenlit and a real opportunity in doing the six episodes but the opportunity isn't about what you can turn it into professionally for me it's legitimately the opportunity to do six episodes of this show yeah. like if we use the album metaphor 
So imagine you are somebody who always had this album in their head and like, I just would really like to make this album. Forget about selling it, right? Like I would just like to make this music. And somebody comes to you and says, well, hey, the most prestigious record label in the industry will give you a budget to go into the studio and to make that album. How's that sound? Okay, cool. Well, then you just go make the album, right? Like I could go into it and then be like, yes, and this will be the beginning of a 20 year career. Now I've been doing this too long. I know the ups and downs. (laughs) And I know that you can do something very good that doesn't necessarily have staying power. You can do something you think is mediocre. They can keep it forever. Like all that stuff is just kind of random. Like the only thing that I was certain of was that I was going to have the opportunity to make six episodes of this television show with people who are very important to me in my life, people I've gotten to know in the course of this and who have been great to work with. Like I had my brother um, come and shoot um, some photographs of like behind the scenes of the first episode. Cause it was just like, no matter how this ends, no matter how it goes or whatever, this is the thing that I know is gonna be important, right? There's gonna be a feeling around this day that's not gonna be like any other day that we wind up having. Like, so I'm leaning in at every turn on the fact that it's so cool that we get to do this. Like after every episode we walked out, like, man, we made a good episode of television. And I thought I could do a good job hosting this show, but I can't say that I knew it, right? Like, so to go in and like be affirmed in some of the things that I've thought for a long time would work and seeing people who have been willing and really worked really, really hard to kind of put that stuff on the road, I can't get so caught up in thinking about what a seventh episode is when there's that much in the six to deal with in the process and to legitimately enjoy. Like, I really, really enjoy doing this. And so it would be silly of me to think more about what would happen if we didn't get a seventh instead of how cool the six had been. Oh, man, I love Love that. that. I love that. Yes. If you... Is this show the closest to you, like in a sense of if you could have created, you said you you came on to this show, but the reason Serena was saying it's hard to know, because even as I'm doing various shows or various sitting in various seats, I'm always like, yeah, I don't know if this is something that I would want to do every day. This is a cool show, but I don't feel like this show is me. As soon as she saw your show, she was like, uh-uh, I want a show like this. This is a <laughs> this show is that a I want to do. This is a dope show. Yeah, I really did. I was raving is. about it. So is this like the show that, is, is this your album that was in your mind that you yeah. got to bring to life for Is this real? your blueprint? Yeah. This is what I've always wanted to do. Like, this is a true story. I've told it a few places, but it's still like a pretty interesting story. So... I signed on to work with my agent, I want to say in like late 2010, 2011, like somewhere in there. One thing your agent does when you first get on is just a lot of meet and greet, right? Like you go and you take meetings with people, not because there's a job on the line, but because people need to know your name. Like part of what you pay your agent for is the ability to get you in there because people like there's a zillion people out here. You got to get them to know who you are. So I had a meeting with a gentleman named Ken Hirschman. And Ken Hirschman, at the time, he was the president of HBO Sports. This is about 10 years ago. And somehow in conversation, he mentioned something to the effect of he thought it would be cool if he could find like a Bill Maher for sports. And I looked at him and I said, look, I understand that you're not going to believe this because of the person who's telling you this. And that's fine. I'm not offended by that. But you say you're looking for the Bill Maher for sports, and I'm telling you, I'm right here. Hey, that's yeah. right. And he was polite about it. Like, he Let was like, oh, okay, sounds cool. 
And then we came back and we met with him a year later and we had another good conversation and I brought it back up and he was polite about it, but he didn't lean into that. And it was fine. Like I'm not offended by the fact that he didn't lean into it. He had not seen the thing that made him believe that that would be possible. You had not made the album yet. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't been there. I mean, like. I, one thing I don't have a problem with is people doubting me. Like, everybody can talk. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any problem with people doubting me. Like, who are you to think that nobody is ever supposed to question whether or not you can do something, right? Exactly. Like, people, they had questions about whether or not I could do this show up until we shot the pilot, and all of those questions were perfectly fair. But now that we're in it, the thing I have to give HBO all the credit for is I thought when I left Highly Questionable to do High Noon. Part of why I need to leave Highly Questionable is that I love Dan to death, but that was Dan's show, that was Dan's city, that was Dan's studio, that was Dan's daddy. Like all of that was something, you know, something that belonged to somebody else. Yeah, and it was great for me, but I needed to be in something. Yeah, it's like, I need to be in something that's more my own. And then we did High Noon, and what I didn't realize was I didn't need to be in something more my own. I needed something that was my own and that wasn't what that show was now this one they were leaning on me at every turn you got to make it your show and i didn't have answers like you got to make it your show and i'm thinking when they say that i'm like well what's your job right like like, (laughs) i'm supposed to be out here like making this show what what do you do i don't i really don't understand because espn works on a different paradigm like like even if people are asking your input at espn they're not telling you it's your show they're telling you the opposite of that that's just not how the place works right this is our show you're just the talking head yeah yeah and if you're not here we're gonna bring somebody else in tomorrow got it and so i needed to figure out what my show was and then once i did yeah, there's nothing. I've never done anything on television that's been close to like being mine and what I would wow. want something to be. Nowhere near close to anything like this. Like this, I feel like this is a show that, you know, whether somebody likes it or not, that's their own decision. But nobody else could make this particular show but me. There's not a person you could sub in and ask them to do all the things that we're going to do on this show. I just, I just don't think you could find it. I had the honor and the pleasure of watching you at work when we went to Bob Costas and you stole the show. So you definitely 100% deserve your own show because, you know, what what you got to say is is very insightful. And, you know, like people people need to hear that point of view because it's very poignant. And, and you, you know, you know what you want to say and you say it and you're unapologetic about it. And I love it. No, I appreciate it. And by the way, you mentioned that Costas, because I believe that was the first episode of Costas. Right. Yeah. Um, that first episode was shot on friday they called me on tuesday to say that the pilot had been picked up and i think a big part of it was that costas appearance exactly because we watched it live they was watching what we was watching live on that first episode where it was like this needs to be expanded like you had that little segment where you walk to our table where you were talking and walking and spitting the facts as you go i'm telling you like for me somebody in tv people may not realize this but TV, like you said it best, it's certain people's shows, it's certain people's seats, and sometimes people place you in someone else's seat, and you sit there, and you might do okay in it, but it doesn't feel like your own. I'm so inspired by Game Theory because I've never seen anything of a type of show that I'm like, now this is a show that I could even see a type of show that I would love to be a part of, love to watch, one of those style shows. So I'm just inspired in a sense of like, all right, there's something different out there that can be brought to life, that can have culture, different things you're talking 
talking to people on the streets and getting just putting together little packages all over the place. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, so I thank you for stopping by on Montgomery and Company. And please, so I, like nice I said, to we're going to riot. And we'll be watching. You enjoy your sex. You Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I got my fingers crossed for seven, but I also am not going to lie. I'm going to look forward to getting me a little yes. break after six. Like, I've been working that other job, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. I'll, I'll appreciate a Tuesday off. Listen, I feels you. But once you get a break, we're going to need you right back because Game Theory really is. It's for the culture, but it's not just the, like you said, the things that you expect to say. It's so different, so fresh, so new. So thank you again for hopping on here with us. Hey, I appreciate it. Y'all be good. All right, so I told y'all we was going to make it make sense. Cole is going to talk to you and y'all got to help her make it make sense. Catch me outside. That's all I'm going to say, Cole. Catch me outside, baby. Okay, okay. I need for someone to make it make sense. And I'm going to set the table for you because I got to tell you, I'm not so much upset as I am shocked. But let me just say this. I think the person who should be most upset is Dr. Phil. So let me just go back and set the table. So basically in 2016, a girl named Daniel Brigoli, she uttered some words, went viral. Everyone may know her. She came on Dr. Phil's show. Her, she was one of the out of control teens. Dr. Phil is giving her some sound advice that she probably will never make it if she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. And literally, she got mad because the, the crowd in the in the audience just didn't believe that she said she was about that life. And let me just tell you, bad baby is about that life. And when I say she about that life, she about that six point one million dollar life. So 2016, she's sitting down with Dr. Phil and they're laughing. The audience is laughing, which I don't think anybody in the audience would be laughing now if they read this particular article. But she said, if y'all don't like what I got to say, y'all can cash me outside. How about that? So after her appearance on Dr. Phil, her temper tantrum became went viral and she had a multi-million dollar record deal. That is what it said that has not been confirmed, but we'll go with it. Um, She also had a beauty line. She had a Snapchat reality show. And then after she turned 18, she said, well, you know what? They can cash me out on OnlyFans. And so then she went on OnlyFans and made millions. She said, she made a million dollars in the first six hours. And then everybody was down like, no, she's not making that much money. And she said, Oh, I made over $50 million only fans. And guess what? Now the naysayers are like, well, maybe she did. She paid cash for a $6.1 million home, seven bedrooms, cash. She owes no one for that house. That is hers outright. And so I need you to make it make sense when we tell our kids when they're younger to obey the rules, to walk the straight line, you know, to have some spunk, to, you know, stand up for yourself, be confident, but know that you're doing the right thing. Go to school, graduate, get your degree. And then we turn around, we see the kids that are zigzagging, jumping off the bridges, no longer having in school. They're getting kicked out. They're doing these things. And then they cash out with a $6.1 million home, it makes you just say, make it make sense. Like, should we be reteaching the values in America? And I say, no, I said, that's, I think that's what's wrong with America right now. The values are way too loose. 
but apparently the money is too. So I know before everybody was saying, oh, bad baby or Danielle Bregoli, however you want, whichever one you want to call her, you better put some respect on her name because she's now not going to be cashed outside. She's cashed inside her $6 million home. How about that? up next we have trainer and host of the same pod which is a show about nothing and everything andy sire mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so listen, we have Andy Sire, who is the host of the podcast, saying a show about nothing and everything, which is a genius name. First of all, how did you come up with that? Uh, I'm actually a giant Seinfeld fan. Okay. Um, it's like, like my wife thinks I'm crazy. I think I've watched the whole series like six times, but, uh, <laughs> you know, show about nothing. And then I was when I started my podcast, it was originally just about like fitness and business. But then it got into I started connecting with pro athletes and finance people and people in the LGBTQ community and, you know, uh, just different socio demographic, socioeconomic places. And I was like, this is everything and nothing and anything <laughs> in between. So I, I blurted out something and my wife made the graphic. That's, Amazing. that's literally it. <laughs> Amazing. So you and your wife, do you guys work together? Because we're a family podcast that also, yes, we podcast Montgomery and Company, but everyone sitting here actually works for the company, our actual company. So do you have a family business going on? I know you're a family guy. That's your drive. You have two kids, Riker and Wyatt. So I know that you're very family oriented. So do you do business as a family? Kind of. My wife and I have a very small uh, personal training company. It's called Metal Barbell, M-E-T-T-L-E, like meddling kids from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, I actually have a consulting business that I run with a partner out of Sydney, Australia. Ooh, wow. um, we work with fitness businesses all over the world. Uh, my wife actually, oddly enough, cannot stand listening to podcasts. She fully really? supports me and doing mine. <laughs> Shannon, but what's she good? Will not, <laughs> right? She's never listened to an episode. But wow. she'll support it. She'll promote it. She'll connect me with people if I need help, um, which that's all I ask. I mean, yeah. honestly, you know, so I guess, yeah, we work together. That's hilarious. And so People may not know, but you got a really big tattoo on your leg. What does the I tattoo did. say, and why did you get it? 
Yeah, so it says moments equal momentum. Um, I got it because, Renee, I saw you on All the Smoke uh, with Matt and Steve. And when you said those words and in the context you were talking about it, you know, you were talking about with with Matt and Stack, everything going on with um, 2020 with, you know, George Floyd and everything that happened with that. And then you, you went into foundation and you mentioned moments equal momentum. And I'm an analytical person. So I heard those words and I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Because it stuck with me. And there's a point where if a word or a phrase will stick with me, I'll try to analyze it. So I did. And then we were having a rough patch with the young kids. I mean, they're almost five and three. So it's crazy over here. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I can't let one moment dictate the rest of the day. Oh, wait, that's the same thing as moments equaling momentum. So I started, you know, trying to implement that. I'm not perfect. Please don't think I am because you're wrong. (laughs) Um, Trying to implement that as a parent, you know, to let my kids know that like, hey, if we have a bad moment, doesn't have to derail the day. Uh, I started implementing it in business when I can. Again, bad moment, bad day, not a bad week, not a bad month. Um, So just trying to understand, like, you either roll with the good times or you pivot and adjust to the times that aren't ideal. Shout out to my tattoo artist, Dan. I texted him and said, I want this, do it big. And a couple hours later, here we were. Dan, (laughs) shout out to Dan. Dan. You know, you talk about working with athletes and and different groups and you're in the space, the athletic space in general. The athletic space comes with a lot of mental fortitude. Like, you know, you have to be mentally tough. You have to be mentally strong. So what have you seen from your side of it? Because I'm a pro athlete that I, I played sports, but you have 12 years of experience as a professional within the health and fitness industry. So what have you yeah. seen about how mental health has just been changing through sports? That is a phenomenal question. Um, I would say it's the things that I've seen are it's 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 been put on the mainstream to understand that physical and mental beings are two separate things. You know, someone can project this perfect image of a healthy physical body, but we have no idea what's going on up here. And this is the most complex thing I've ever tried to understand. I do not understand it. You know, myself, like I suffer from at sometimes crippling anxiety, panic attacks, can't breathe, wondering what's going on. I've been like on my knees crying with my wife, like, and I'm, I'm a big dude with a bunch of tattoos, bald head and a beard. You wouldn't expect that. <laughs> hey, ain't no shame. Ain't no, no shame. I love, I love but, that you're saying it though, yeah. because that's good. That but breaks like, the stigma. Yes. Yeah. And what's come from that is being, is like learning how to be in touch and okay. Y'all seen the movie inside out, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Live your life like inside out. Every emotion that is within you needs to be expressed. And that's what I think comes (laughs) down to mental health and athletes is like, yo, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. Like you humans are not designed to be happy all the time. Dopamine is a weird chemical, man. Dopamine and cortisol (laughs) mixed together. Oh boy, you throw a pot of black coffee on there and you will not stop moving. (laughs) But like literally learning how to live like inside out has been just an amazing thing to see with athletes. Like sometimes I've had clients or, you know, people that I know be like, yo, I don't feel good today. Like I'm not okay. Cool. Let's not work out. Let's just sit. Tell me what's going on. Right. And like that in itself can be more productive than putting somebody through a workout. You know what I mean? I love that you see the value in that. A lot of people don't necessarily see the value in that. And I have to ask, did you watch that movie because of your kids? 
Or did you just watch it on your own? Because <laughs> no, I know no, I watch uh, it because of my son, but I actually ended up loving I it. I do love it too. I have seen, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Disney movie okay. guy. Like my wife and I, before we had kids, we went and saw Moana in theater oh, twice. Oh, goodness. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, so we had seen it before then. Luckily, our kids now are like at that age where movies are cool and they can sit down for more than 10 minutes. Um, so we've been, you know, we, we try to introduce them to those movies and like try to explain to them like, hey, this is what this movie's about, you know. Awesome. Um, especially with my almost five-year-old, my son, like he's, you know, they're nuts. Like they're crying. They're happy. They're <laughs> yelling at you. And it's like, dude, it's okay. You can have all the expressions you want. I love that. So, you know, like they get to relate that now to colors and to voices and to marbles and all yeah. that stuff. So I've been staring at the edge of the water. <laughs> that is the best Disney movie. And don't at me. On that. Well, I love that movie. I love it. Oh, that's my favorite. I'd love to ask you because a lot of people suffer from the same things you suffer from anxiety that's crippling. How do you get yourself out of it? Like, how do you get past oh, that state? Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal question. So it's a, it's a number of things. Uh, the first thing is being okay with taking medicine. Um, there's this stigma around mental health and I'll relate it to like diabetes or high blood pressure. So you're not going to be stigmatized if you get put on medication for those issues, but there's a stigma around taking medication for mental health. So first step is being okay with taking that if you need it. For me, honestly, the biggest helper has been cannabis. Um, okay. Yeah. Like I it, hear it's about honestly, this. it, so when I am having general anxiety and panic attacks. I'll hit my pen or I have these little five milligram edibles. And it's like, I can take that. I can still function as a businessman. I can still function as a dad, as a husband, but I'm grounded. I'm myself. I'm happy. I don't overthink things. I'm not, I'm not in my own head. You know, I'm able to just be like, I'm good. I can work out better. I can, you know, I can listen to my wife instead of like trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. And it's just like, I can just listen. I can shut up and be there. Um, so ca cannabis, uh, marijuana has been huge for me. Um, my wife actually is a fan as well for her sleeping and for her anxieties as well. So, uh, big supporters of, of all of that for not just mental health, but just overall well being. you know, and I was one of the people that when I was younger was like, yo, don't bring pot into my workplace. You know, I was running a business, but yeah. now I'm like, that it's fine. I mean, obviously it's legal, which has yeah. changed a lot of views, but since I started understanding what it does for the being as a whole, I'll fight anybody to the death on the fact that it should be legal everywhere. <laughs> Shout out to Adam Silver, by the way, for being the best right. commissioner in professional sports and doing what he did. That's fantastic. And if people don't know what you're referring to, Adam Silver no longer, yes. they decided to make the decision during the wobbles, the bubble season that they would no longer be testing for marijuana. So in your drug test as an athlete, you used to get tested yes. for everything and you still do, but marijuana doesn't necessarily count against you. And people like Matt Barnes, who lost a half a million dollars on fines. <laughs> I told Matt, I was Woo. like, you gonna, get a, you gonna get your money back, Matt? What's good? <laughs> right, right. So with interest. <laughs> Right, with interest. <laughs> right, right. right. And so what do you think about that stigma now? It's almost getting removed when it comes to marijuana and cannabis. Like, you know, like for people that still have that stigma, like, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? We saw what happened with Shikari Richardson and different things of that nature. Yeah. What are your thoughts on athletics and marijuana? Yeah. So I'm going to relate it to something actually, again, in my own experience. Um, I've done a lot of growing up over the last 15 years. So I used to be, again, close-minded with LGBTQ relationships. I just didn't understand it. So I didn't, I didn't fully accept it. 
when I started understanding the people, I started talking to people, meeting people. I, I mean, I, I, t- I, right now, I love everybody. I don't care who you are until you give me a reason not to love you. I love you. I love the fact that now people are able to love who they love and the people who are not close-minded anymore have just taken the time to have a conversation. Same thing with marijuana. If you have a conversation and understand the purpose behind why somebody is using it, you'll probably end up noticing that they're not just sitting around eating Pringles all day. <laughs> it's for a purpose. <laughs> right, you know? right. The stigma, stigma. yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'll smash a can of Pringles all the time. But, like, you know, you get to understand why somebody is relying on something that, A, if you believe in God, God put on this planet. If you don't believe in God, it was here before we were, okay? Number one. But number two, like, you have to understand that the brain is such a complex thing that you can't just have this cookie cutter solution. You know, for some people, marijuana is what's going to get them level. For some people, it's not. For some people, it makes them paranoid and freak out. I think it's just people being willing to have a conversation instead of trying to be right. They just want to learn. And that's that's what I had to do, you know. Um, Again, I didn't fully accept people who didn't, you know, follow the man loves woman thing because I didn't understand it. But then when I did... Yo, I'll come to your wedding. I don't care. I love it. You know, let's have a conversation because I want to know, I want to know more about you because if I know more about you, then we can just converse and I don't have to be like, okay, is so-and-so, is this acceptable? We just, it's just sitting around and, and it's like, we just get to have a good time. Yes. We need more Andy Sires in the world. Yes, we do. I wish, come I wish on a lot now. more people thought <laughs> like you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I appreciate that. Thank I, you. I, I just nice love your open-mindedness and just, um, you know, a lot of people don't take those kind of things into account. They won't even come to the say, table. Exactly. They won't even yeah. come to the exactly. table. Yeah. You know, it, it's especially hitting home for me because like my wife's best friend who is actually, my son's godparents are are gay. Uh, my wife's best friend's gay. I love. He's a phenomenal person. I love him, and it's like I wouldn't have the family I have if I didn't grow up. That's true. You know what I mean. I wouldn't have the things that I have, and I wouldn't, you know, want to keep getting things that I don't have with these people if I didn't just hey grow up, dude. Like nobody's different. <laughs> That's right. Nobody's love different. that. You know, nobody's different. You've done a lot of growing up, and you have a a, a saying that you live by that. It's everything will be okay in the end. If it does not seem okay, then the journey is not complete. So what's next for Andy? Oh, damn, that's a good question. (laughs) What's next? You know, next, I would say the thing is for me, you know, if we're going to talk about like podcasting, keep growing, keep getting, you know, these conversations out there. I had a gentleman on my show who's a friend now, and he said something along the lines of like, do we understand how starved people are for good conversation? So I try to provide that, try to provide some insight. The example I can give is like when I had essay on and I told her like, I didn't grow up in black culture. So this is educational for me. You know, I want to learn more. So my kids don't have to be like me and have to grow up. They just are accustomed to, hey, learn about this, understand people, love people. You know what I mean? You know, otherwise just continue to grow as a family, grow business and just, you know, don't stay stagnant. Is really the main thing, you know. As long as it, you know, move the needle an inch or a mile, it doesn't matter. Just keep that's moving. right. Hey, that's, that's great, great advice, right that's there. Beautiful. I love that. Well, Andy, we thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. We wish nothing but the best. And last, can you show us that tat? Like, we got to see the tattoo. Yeah, Come on it. now, yes. we yes, got to yes. see okay. it live and in living color. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. this is 
It is. It's beautiful. Wow. When you said big, it's beautiful though. But whoever that. did that, yeah, they have great hand. They have a great hand. So that's, that's beautiful. Again, my tattoo artist Dan, who is a 21 year old young wow. man, by the way. Wow. Um. Yeah. Threw that together for me Shouts in a matter of a couple Dan. days. And yes. That that is yeah. am- I'm inspired by you. you know, <laughs> really? Like, I, I, I am I'm inspired by you, Andy, just because, you know, I, I saw it. We all saw it happening in, you know, in Living Color. We all saw it happening live what when Renee opted out and everything. So it's it's just crazy yeah. to see the impact that it has on people. So we appreciate you and everything, all the love and thank you for coming on. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Um as I said, you know, I didn't know you before. I know you a little bit now. Uh, you know, walked into this with nothing but great expectations and they were exceeded. So thank you. My love to all you guys. Thank you. And, we're family uh, now. So tell what yeah. Riker and Wyatt, I said hello. Your wife, Shannon, we said hello. We're family now. Will do. Moments equal momentum. It's so crazy that that line was in a tweet for me opting out and it stuck with somebody so much it was so powerful to Andy that he got it tattooed on his leg. That is really crazy because now it's the motto of our foundation. Now it's what I live by each moment, make it momentum. It's just crazy how life works. He even talked about taking care of your mental. And that is something that we all need to do. We're coming out of the pandemic. Life is moving fast. Take care of you. Take care of your mentals and just make sure that as you're taking care of yourself, that you're not hurting someone else. Listen, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, I know. Hakuna Matata, baby. Check us out next week on MoCo, where it's a generational thing.